Well, hello, everybody. It's me, Stephen Billings, here, and we're here for another episode of Lights, Camera, News, which is the show here on Film Club Central where we go through the past week's worth of news. And today with me to talk news this week is Mr. Dan Skipellin. How you doing, man? Hanging in there, man. I had a good week. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about all the news in uh, Tinseltown. Tinseltown. That's the first time I've heard it called that in a while. Dan is a, is a little bit older than uh, me, so yeah, maybe he was uh, around during that time. I don't know. I'd like to mess with him about his age. All right, so <laughs> so starting off, as always, we're going to get into our trailer roundup. Trailer roundup, we try to – we didn't have a lot of – you know, I think I think the last couple weeks there's been so many trailers, I think the internet got tired. So this week we don't have as many trailers to talk about. And they're a little bit more low-budget indie stuff, and that's cool. I love the indie stuff. I can't wait to see a lot of this stuff. We're getting close to that, like, you know, Oscar season. We're seeing a lot more of that, like, Oscar season trailers. So um, this first one is an interesting one. I, I don't know that this is going to be any kind of big release or not. I don't even know if I'm going to get a chance to see this in theaters, but uh, it's called The Vault, and um, it stars J uh, James Franco, and this is more of a dramatic role where he's, like, this bank manager, and they – Get, there's a heist and he's you know in you know trying to deal with the situation and you know I'm not sure about this movie what did you think about it Dan I'll tell you what you got two genres here you got heist movie and you got horror movie and you jam them together I've never seen anything like that before that is actually fascinating to me how they can make a heist movie in a horror movie go together and if you look you got some little cameo you got some character roles like uh, Clifton Collins Jr uh, you know Kariana Kilcher from uh, A New World you got you got some interesting people in there and James Franco he doesn't just choose crappy projects just for the sake of choosing crappy projects so there must have been something in this script that he said wow this is this is fascinating so uh, I like the I like the um, you got also you got um, Taylor Schilling in there from Orange is the New Black. You got some good little uh, character actors or some people that have a little niche in Hollywood, not a huge career, but some people I would I don't mind seeing again that I haven't seen in a while or haven't seen in this or that or the other. So the uh, vault, I'm gonna I think I might give the vault a chance. It looks interesting. Yeah, you know, I do like the idea of mixing genres. It's kind of something I I push in my own writing. I like to mix up, you know, and you're I totally agree. It's got an interesting premise of like it's this heist movie, but then it's like don't go down in this safe where there's like it's haunted. The safe is haunted that they're trying to break into it. It's like it's like what is this but sometimes movies like this can fall into a, an area where the tone is never it just never finds its place. Um, like with a movie, like for me, I mean, I didn't hate the movie, but it didn't, it fall kind of flat for me, a movie called horns with Daniel Radcliffe. I felt like that movie was kind of like, it couldn't find what kind of movie it wanted to be. So it never really caught on with me. Um, so I don't, I don't want that to happen to this movie. We'll see what happens, but, um, it does have a little bit of a spark of interest. I do think James Franco picks a lot of interesting stuff. Um, and he's a, he's an artsy dude. He directs, he writes, he, he does everything. So yeah, he must've saw something in this. So I'll see what it's, I think it comes out September 1st. So we don't have long to wait. If it hopefully comes to theaters, we'll check it out. So 
The next trailer we're going to talk about is um, a movie starring Ben Stiller, which I, I personally really like Ben Stiller films. Um, he's one of my favorite comedic actors. Uh, and this one's called Brad's Status. And um, it's it, to me, it's, it's, it's kind of a generic plot of sorts. It's very much uh, a father whose who's, uh, son is, is about to go to college. And he's also now, you know, as his son's growing up, he's now dealing with the facts of where his own life has went. And, and part of that is reflected in him meeting a old friend from his past who is now kind of making him feel bad about his life choices. And uh, mixed with, you know, the coming of age of his son, um, it, this makes for maybe a possibly a good feel-good type of movie. Uh, Dan, what did you think? Well, I'm going to take what you just said. It could be a good feel-good movie. And what this, what this seems like to me is – same old Ben Stiller I've seen for the last few years where he's this like quirky oddball who doesn't fit in with everybody except this time he's taking his kid around to all these colleges because the kid's trying to get into college. And I just, I've seen Ben Stiller do this time and again. It's like he's fallen into these, you know, I always say like, once you see one Kevin Hart movie or two Kevin Hart movies or one Melissa McCarthy movie or two McCarthy, or even Will Ferrell or Jim, Ben Stiller's doing the same thing except he's not doing what they're doing. He's doing his dorky, quirky, oddball thing. And I'm like, man, we've seen him do this except the only difference is it's, he's taking the kid around to the colleges and stuff. And the kid, I'm interested in the kid more than I am him. I wish – the movie was about the kid traveling around to the colleges and seeing which college he was going to go into. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm really burnt out right now on Ben Stiller. I don't know. I'm not really burnt out on him. I don't feel like he does a lot of stuff. I mean, he had, um, he had the movie, I think it came out last year with him and Adam driver um, that I liked where it was like, he played an old couple, him and his, you know, the older couple. And then, and then um, I think it's at, Young at heart, or not young at heart. I'm thinking of something else. But it was a movie about him and his 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 wife meeting a younger couple and dealing with the whole generation gap. But um, I do think he does play some of the same characters. I agree with that. But um, I don't know. I think he's got a likability. It's like how some people really love Will Ferrell movies and everything he does. I don't think Will. Fer I think Will Ferrell is somebody that's a little bit oversaturated. Ben Stiller. I don't think he does as much. I mean, like before that movie we were, I was just talking about, he hadn't really done anything since um, Walter Mitty. Well, so. that, actually, that remake was a movie that I really enjoyed. That's where he did something different with it. But it was about a character that was, you know, not – he was not what he's, – he's kind of an outcast, like you just said he does all the time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. It's something he's good at. He's good at playing awkward some guys just kind of stick in their wheelhouse. You know, that's what they do. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to check it out probably. Um, I'm always down for a feel-good movie. We'll see if it brings anything new to the table when it comes out. Um, this next one uh, is – this one for me, it, the director is, is, is something that I'm really interested in and the fact that we have a fantastic actor doing something that I don't know if I would ever would have thought of seeing him do – which is play a president, which is Woody Harrelson playing uh, 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 JB, JBL. Um, and, and it's it, this trailer, man. I mean, I'm a Rob Reiner fan. I love Rob Reiner. Um, and 
it seems that you know since this you know with with Trump becoming president, we're getting a lot of these movies about the presidents. We're getting a lot of different movies about presidents, and now we got this one. Um, and I I thought it looked pretty cool. Uh, and Woody Harrelson, man, he's transformed in this movie. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, what did you think of this trailer? Yeah, I was going to say, not JBL. Yeah, uh, I just wrote, I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about wrestling, but no, Lyndon Baines Johnson, we got an HBO movie last year with Brian Cranston as Lyndon Baines Johnson all the way. And, you know, as of right now, I don't think I can, I don't think I'm sick of seeing people play this character because he's such an a flamboyant character he's a big you know he's from texas he's a big personality and for him to be on the the kennedy ticket that was like a complete different kind of thing for john f kennedy and then of course the tragedy in dallas and then so he became the president so he had to make his mark on society and i'll tell you what what a year right now woody harrelson is having uh this could be the role that gets him some real love come Oscar time. And when you're playing this kind of a, a bigger than life character of Lyndon Baines Johnson, this could be the role and the trailer of him portraying this character. Uh, you know, I'm really looking forward. I hope he knocks it out of the park in this movie. The trailer is the trailer. It looks good. You know, you, I, you know, I'm going to go see this movie and I'm, I'm a big fan of Woody Harrelson ever since when he was in Cheers so yeah, I mean, I love biopics. I love presidential biopics. So this is just right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and like I said, Rob Reiner. I mean, Rob Reiner's done so many fantastic movies in so many different type of genres. You know, from This Is Spinal Tap to Princess Bride to A Few Good Men. This guy's done great shit his whole life, and and, and I'm just glad to see him doing something because I don't really feel like I've seen him do anything. He hasn't been doing a lot lately, so I'm just ready to see him do another movie. And here we go with this movie with Woody Harrelson. Looks like a great performance. I can't wait to see it. Um, and the last trailer we're going to talk about is uh, it, this one excited me. After seeing it, hearing that the Coen brothers wrote this film, and we got George Clooney directing, and it stars Matt Damon. I mean, guys, this is the dream team. Come on now. Suburbicon. Um, Dan, what did you think of this trailer? Oh my God, I freaking love this. I, I think I watched it like three or four times. If this isn't the role that gets Matt Damon over the top come Oscar time, I don't know what. Well, this trailer, I, I mean, th this is the craziest, wildest film I've seen if, based on the trailer. And it takes place in like the 60s. So, you know, I love those kind of period pieces. And it just is. Wow, Matt Damon looks amazing. And obviously the Cone Bros know how to write for George Clooney, know how to write for Matt Damon because they've been in so many their movies before this this kind of well, at least George Clooney has. Maybe not Matt Damon, but Matt Damon working with George Clooney, they've worked together for quite a bit with the Oceans movies and, and Monuments Men and stuff like that. So George Clooney's a really good director going back to like Ides of March and you said Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, you and I talked about this the other day he, he he knows how to, he he knows what he wants in these movies you know he knows how to get what he wants and in this genre that's that that he's in this could be the movie that really gets a lot of love come oscar time based on the trailer i'm only 
saying the trailer, the trailer, oh, God, I could watch it over and over again. It was so funny watching this trailer. Well, yeah, the, and the biggest thing for me, too, is with George Clooney um, as a director, I think he is half and half in a way because um, as good as he is, I think he's – and what excites me about this project is is he's not in the movie. He's just directing it, um, and his better movies are ones that he is not in um, to me, like uh, like Confession of a Dangerous Mind because – for me, Leatherheads isn't that great. I don't like that movie that much. And um, the other one, uh, uh, Monuments Men, is pretty terrible, and it shouldn't have been. Um, don't even give me that face. Most people did not like that movie. Um, I love but, that. That movie, put, that movie put me and my friend to sleep. That's how bad that movie was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still really like him as a director. Um, he has a good style, but... Um, but yeah, the Coen brothers writing it is, is kind of enough for me. Uh, and with Matt Damon at the lead, it's, this could be a really fun, quirky movie. His character kind of reminds me from the trailer of the informant, which is another character he played in another film, very quirky, you know, kind of, you know, trying to play it straight sometimes, but he's also outlandish, you know, at doing funny things. Um, but yeah, it's, this should be a fun movie. I can't wait to see what happens with it. And now uh, we're moving on from trailers, and we're going to get into some of our main news topics. The first one we're going to talk about is um, we have a we have a, a somebody a, an executive from Marvel. Um, I don't know if do you remember what is I, I missed my notes here. What's his name? Is it Larry? His name is Jeremy Latcham. Yeah, Jeremy Latcham um, has left Marvel to go work with Fox on some future projects. We're not sure if it's going to be anything with their comic book movies, but it, from what I've read in the article, um, he's going to be setting up his own production company at Fox and possibly working on some other stuff there. But um, it's kind of an interesting thing. This, this guy uh, worked his way up through the ranks. He was an assistant at one point and then became like a story editor and then worked his way into the kind of the inner circle of the Marvel uh, studios, you know, creative team. And now he's leaving. And it's like, you know, what was the reasons? Was this purely just a, uh, you know, needing to move on and do my own thing? Or was there some kind of issue? We don't really know. It didn't seem like there was, this might've been just him wanting to go and do his own thing. What do you, what do you read into this story, Dan? Well, I'll tell you this. First of all, you have a 10 year run of Marvel Cinematic Universe that's going to come to a close in uh, 2019. And if Jeremy Latham was a part of that, and then that's going to be like the, a new era or phase four is going to be like a whole new era, which Kevin Feige has talked about. I feel like it, it's probably a good jumping off point for him to, to do his own thing or, or get something going with Fox that's completely his own and we'll find out if him jumping on jumping ship to Fox is going to hurt or hinder uh, Marvel, or is this just the Kevin Feige show and Kevin Feige runs it? And this guy was kind of like his assistant or something like that. I don't know, but when you see people like this go to another studio, you say, okay, they must have been a big part of what they were doing at Marvel slash um, Disney, and now he's getting pulled over to, to Fox. So they liked what he was doing. And so I feel like Mark, Kevin Feige has groomed this guy to be really a good guy. And that's how he got this opportunity. 
We'll find out if these movies are like Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3 in the future because I think lately all the movies have been really, really good, and those two weren't that good. And Some people say Thor The Dark World wasn't that good. So those are some of the early ones. Is, are we going to go back to some bad movies from uh, D uh, Marvel and Disney without this guy? Or are we going to keep getting great, great films time and again? And is he going to be involved with the Fantastic Four maybe? You know, they're talking about trying to reboot the Fantastic Four with more of a family-oriented kind of uh, feel to it. Maybe with his experience working with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he might be able to go over to Fox and work with the Fantastic Four and maybe make it more uh, more like where people can actually be involved with, people can actually enjoy it. It can be more relatable to families and kids and, and people that are fans of the comic book. So we'll see what he's got going on. You know, I'm, I'm all for people succeeding, moving on and succeeding, bettering themselves. So good for Jeremy Latham. Uh, you can't fault the guy for uh, going upward and onward. Yeah, I mean, uh, he could definitely be, you know, going into helping them figure out what they're going to do with Fantastic Four. Um, you know, if they're going to hold on to it, which they talked about, uh, a Doctor Doom project, you know, so they're obviously trying to hold on to him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he could definitely be, you know, the Fox has, has started to go kind of in a different direction with their universe, you know, doing Logan and, and Deadpool, these rated R type films. Um, and I think that maybe this is, this is their chance to get some good support for building their, their universe going forward. And uh, yeah, it could be a really cool move. There is a, there is a, there is a, there is a uh, crossover storyline in the comic books that is a huge crossover involving um, the children of the Fantastic Four, uh, Reed and Sue, and a future version of uh, one of the uh, the X-Men. So maybe this is Fox trying to pull him over to connect the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in some way, but also get them off the ground in a good, positive way, like you said, like the Doctor Doom movie and then this family-oriented Fantastic Four. Because there are there is a great story connecting the FF and the X-Men. I would love to see these universes get connected. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of I'm with Fantastic Four. I mean, honestly, I was was really hoping for it to go back to Marvel, but um, because honestly, I don't know that it's the problem that uh that they can't make a. It's hard to make a good Fantastic Four movie because there's four of them, and like Spider Man, eventually that gets to the point where that need the characters need to interact with other Marvel ca Marvel characters and yeah you have they had the X-Men but they've breeded the X-Men to be vastly different than what they're now talking about the Fantastic 4 are going to be which is more family oriented so i don't know how that's going to sync up um, but you know let them try <laughs> let them try <laughs> um, moving on uh, next topic we're going to talk about is Tom Hardy's signed on to another project. He's um, going back to work with uh, somebody he's worked with before, Gavin O'Connor, who's working on a war film, uh, kind of a biopic, too, uh, about a, a soldier, Anthony Lloyd, um, who wrote a memoir uh, called 
my war gone by i miss you so and it's 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 a, it's going to be a, a story that goes through his whole life uh he dealt with addiction um just you know being in the war and everything like that what do you think of uh tom hardy reteaming with gavin o'connor and doing this this war type movie well well i mean i mean i love i love I loved Warrior. Um, I think Warrior is a great, great film. And so if you can team um, Tom Hardy back up with Gavin O'Connor from Warrior, I mean, I'm hoping they can capture the same magic that they did for Warrior. And a World War II movie, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for World War II movies. And right now, Tom Hardy, I mean, the guy, the guy can do no wrong, in my opinion. I mean, he, I, I'm really looking forward to later this year or – early next year, I don't know when, but he's supposedly uh, Elton John. He's going to play Elton John. I mean, this is completely out of his wheelhouse. He's going to be Elton John, Tom Hardy, the man's man, the toughest man. I mean, he's going to play Eddie Brock as Venom, and he's doing these, you know, in Dunkirk, he's a fighter player, like killing off these German zeros, and then he's going to play uh, Elton John. I mean, it's like, oh, I can't wait. I am so looking forward to see if he can capture the essence of what Elton John is. So uh, anything he does, I'm, I'm for. World War II, Gavin O'Connor, Tom Hardy, hey, it's checking off the boxes for me here. You know, I, I, I'm in for it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I hope he still does the Elton John movie because that's been talked about for years. But I don't know that he's still on that project or not. No, they um, that, that that was a while back ago. I heard about that. No, they're filming. They were already filming it. He he was doing it. It's, it's either coming out later this year or next year. I have to look into that. But um, yeah, Gavin O'Connor. I and with him, you know, to see him kind of go outside his wheelhouse. We know he's done Warrior. I uh, just did The Accountant um, this past year, and now going to do kind of like a, a period piece. Um, it'd be nice to see him do something different. I think he's a talented uh, director, um, and he works well with Tom Hardy. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. This next one, um, this next story is one that I, I think a lot of us are getting maybe a little bit sick of hearing about. Uh, maybe, uh, even though I'm a huge fan of the franchise, or at least the first two movies. Um, James Cameron's come out and said that um, – he thinks that they're going to develop another trilogy of Terminator films, and he and he and he thinks that him in this, you know, him who he he he's he's going to have the U.S. rights revert back to him within the next year, and then the person that owns the world rights, he's talking with them and trying to figure out a way to, to come up with a trilogy, and so he and he thinks that they can, and 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 try to figure out a way to reinvent the franchise. Um, me personally. Uh, I've, you know, I've thought about the Terminator franchise a lot, and I just don't – I mean, they're smarter than I am, but I just don't know where you could take this story and not go over the same ground again. Um, and, and do you bring back Schwarzenegger? I mean, I mean, what do you do with this without completely making it, you know, something different? I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Well, the thing is, you, you if anybody can bring this – franchise back to prominence it's james cameron we know he's going to get the rights back in 2019 i want to see guys i'll be honest with you if you're gonna if you're gonna reboot this thing and you're gonna redo it all over again use some newer technology like he's using on the avatar movies a lot of camera stuff that new camera technology new kind of things that are invented with cameras and technology as far as movies go 
why not give a guy like Jason Momoa or or um, what's his name, who they said, um, Joe Manganiello. Why don't we give those guys a shot? I feel like both of those guys really need a big franchise like this, something that they can sink their teeth into, something that – I think they've done a lot of the cameos and the smaller roles and the – and this stuff like that. You know, I just saw Jason Momoa as a really out there character in the Bad Batch. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I really, he doesn't say a lot. He doesn't say a lot in the Bad Batch. Um, but I want to see newer actors get a chance. You know, and I think Joe Manganiello and Jason Momoa, this could be right up their wheelhouse. And as far as, I mean, if anybody can reboot this franchise, it's James Cameron. I mean, I, I mean, the guy is had success after success after success. I mean, he has the two largest grossing budget movies of all time, Titanic and Avatar. He's had some of the greatest, he worked on some of the greatest franchise, Alien, obviously, Terminator. And so I think if anybody can turn it around, I think it's him. And that's, I mean, I give him, I give him the credit where he is earned. He has earned the credit in my opinion. Well, the thing is, is, we don't really know how involved he's going to be. We don't know if he's going to write him. We don't know if he's actually going to direct him. That's the key for me. I mean, I'm not a huge James Cameron fan, but I can't deny that he hasn't made a lot of great films. Um, and if he's not going to direct and write, I mean, that kind of doesn't really help me much. Um, he endorsed the last film, and that movie wasn't that great either. Um, so I don't know where to go with it. I mean, just off the top of my head, hey, what if they make this into like a – a body snatchers film. And then the terminators are just replacing people instead. You know, <laughs> that would be an interesting way to go. I don't know. I just thought of that right now. Well, but, also the apes, you know, they, they, they rebooted a, an old, old franchise and they made it original. They updated it with technology, with the mocap of Andy circus and so it, but the story, it was about the story and the story accentuated the film as a whole. If he could do that with the story and get fresh, up-and-coming, good directors who have a lot of energy, who have the energy to put into some, like each version of the, of it, like the first one being some up-and-coming, and then so on and so on, and in the, and concentrate on the story, maybe we could get this back on track. I, I I don't know if I agree completely. Like I don't know that it's the story that people love about the original too. It's the characters. And I think it's I think the characters are key because the stories like the two popular ones, of course, the first and second one are very much similar. They're basic. I mean, the second one's almost a remake of the first one. It's about a Terminator coming from the future to kill somebody. And, it, and it's very simple. So it's about being able to move the franchise forward without literally copying the first two movies like it. And that's where they've struggled, I think, is, is just not copying themselves but also trying to movie story it's hard to do movies about time travel and do sequels to them because you're you, you have a lot of things to mess with and, and it they got a tough road ahead of them but as you said james cameron if he's really going to be involved in this it's got a better chance it's definitely got a better chance um but i'm interested to see what happens with it i love terminator and terminator 2 um but we'll see what happens um the next news we're going to talk about is we are getting a short list for James Bond 25 and you know we've heard a lot of things about like Chris Chris Nolan you know interested and 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 you know other some other guys interested in the project but that's probably far off even Edgar Wright has been brought up 
probably far off though because they've talked about if they're going to get involved it has to be kind of a reinvention of the character and probably means that they would have to start with a new actor it would be the way that you got them to do it um but the shortlist that we're hearing from reports is is that we have denis villeneuve uh, as as a possible who did arrival did sicario uh, we also have david mckenzie who did last year's uh, hell or high water which was a really good film good western um, and then kind of the front runner they're talking about is a very kind of new, fresh director. His name is Jan Demedj, uh, and he did uh, 71, which was a was a war film. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's he's a French filmmaker. Uh, it, it'd be a very interesting choice. Uh, what do you think of these these possible choices in the front runner for uh, doing Bond 25? All right, well, I'm going to eliminate these guys one at a time here. First of all, Danny Villeneuve, he's got Blade Runner 2049. He's doing post-production on that. Then he's already he's already got Dune. He's doing a remake of Dune. So you can eliminate him from the picture right now. He is not going to do the next James Bond. Jan Dimash, 71, was more of a character piece, a smaller character piece about these people in prison. You know, I think there's a lot of moving pieces in a James Bond movie. Action. And, and set pieces. And I, honestly, I know we've got a lot of smaller directors, Colin uh, Tre, Tre, uh, Trevorrow, uh, people like that have just went, you know, Taika Waititi. Uh, some of these people have just went, went and did little movies and bam, they did big, big movies. I don't know if I trust Jan Dimage with the franchise of James Bond right now. Now, uh, David McKenzie, if we can get a gritty style that he set up in Hell or High Water, and we've we've it's an Oscar-nominated film with 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 James Bond. I'll tell you what, I, I would love to see a David McKenzie have the chance to direct it because he was able to do some action. He was able to do a gritty western style with a modern twist on it. And he, he made a character piece about the characters. And sometimes the James Bond movie, especially Casino Royale and uh, uh, Skyfall, they're character pieces about the characters within the James Bond universe. I feel like David McKenzie has captured that already with Hell or High Water. And I would that's the person, if given an opportunity, I would love to see direct a James Bond movie. That being said, if Christopher Nolan won the rights to get the production to produce James Bond movies, which is he's in the running with like Annapurnia, uh, Syncope and Annapurnia and somebody else are, were, are bidding for the rights to get the production of James Bond. The, I would want Christopher Nolan to direct. He knows that he grew up with Bond. This is England. This is He's England. Look, we saw what he did with Dunkirk, an English story, a, a story that he grew up on. And so if anybody, if, if he wins the rights, if he ends up getting, winning the bidding war for James Bond, syncope, I would want him to direct. That's just me. Even if I, I would feel bad, uh, I, and I think Daniel Craig wouldn't mind working with him either, to be honest with you. I don't know if he, <laughs> I, I mean, if I'm Daniel Craig, I'm like, Christopher Nolan's the producer. 
and the director and possibly the writer. Um, sign me up if I'm Daniel Craig. So that's my take on Bond. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Daniel Craig would probably love to work with with uh, with Christopher Nolan. Who wouldn't? But uh, I don't know that Christopher Nolan wants to do that. I think if he's going to do a Bond movie, I think he wants to do it on his all of his own terms. He wants to pick the new Bond. He wants to be able to to to, to do his own thing all the way through. He said he likes Daniel Craig's Bond, but I don't think he's already came out and said he he would endorse Tom Hardy as Bond. So I see that happening. Um, and, and that maybe was a hint that if he ever got a chance to do it, it would be Tom Hardy, uh, which, and he's worked with him many times already. So it, it seems like that would happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. David McKenzie would be in it. Would be a good choice? I saw 71. I thought it was an okay film. I, I wasn't as high on it as a lot of people were. So I'm not as high on him as, as the director of the next Bond movie. So yeah, I, I would sit more with David McKenzie, um, and yeah, Denis Villeneuve would, would be fantastic, but he might be too busy. We might, we might, not, I don't know that that's going to happen. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we're probably going to continue to hear more Bond news throughout the months coming. So the next story uh, we're going to talk about is um, Wonder Woman. Uh, apparently Warner Brothers is going to be setting up an Oscar campaign to uh, push Wonder Woman um, in, in for next, next year's Oscars. We got, they're saying they're going to push for a director um, for Patty Jenkins and of course the film itself and probably some other stuff, but particularly the film and the director. Um, I, I, I like this. I like that they're, they're going, they're, they're looking at a big budget type movie, which don't typically get putting that conversation and they're pushing it. Do I know, do I think that it's got a big chance of, of the film itself being nominated? No, I do think Patty Jenkins, uh, is, is in the conversation because she was really her her direction was was well done in that movie. Um, it's not one of I mean I like the movie, but it's not one of my top ten of the year right now or anything like that. I, I really did like Wonder Woman, but um, I, I think it's interesting that they're they're going this way. What do you think, uh, Dan? Well, I'll, tell, I'll be honest with you. I think it's a pipe dream. Uh, I think that Warner Brothers is fishing for to get some kind of a claim that isn't there. I mean, is this movie a great movie? Yes, it is. Does Patty Jenkins do a great job? Yes, she does. Does Gal Gadot do a great job? Does Chris Pine? Does it look great? Yes, it does. Come December, when this stuff, when the SHIT hits the fan, people are gonna have forgotten all about Wonder Woman, and the only, the only numbers that are gonna count is its box office numbers. And very rarely do the Oscars look at the box box office numbers and say, "Wow, this movie should get nominated." Avatar, Titanic, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. These movies made hundreds of millions of dollars, but that's very far and in between. They don't do that. It's usually little indie character pieces, something we haven't seen before. And look, we like you said earlier in the show, we're getting a bunch of trailers on movies that possibly could be Oscar contenders over the last couple of weeks. And we've got a couple Oscar contenders coming out in the next couple of weeks. So people are going to forget all about Wonder Woman come December and January. And we're going to be talking about Thor. We're going to be talking about Justice League. We're going to be talking about all the Oscar contenders and Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi. And no one's even going to think about Wonder Woman. So I feel bad for them. But sorry, guys. This is just a pipe dream. Don't even, don't even think. You, you're just wasting your money if you're Warner Brothers. Why waste all that money you made? on something that's not going to come to fruition. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that 
it's maybe more of a PR move than anything that they're like, Hey, we support a female director and we're going to, we're going to push her for the Oscars. You know, I mean, if that's what you want to spend your money on, fine. That's fine. I do think that she did a great job, but um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't know that it's, 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 it's nothing that's going to come from it. Um, I think that, you know, Catherine Bigelow's Detroit's probably got a better chance of, of a female director getting in there. Um, and I don't know if there's anybody else, but she, she's, she's the one that stands out to me that could possibly get something. It's get Detroit's getting great reviews. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's end of the year, everything's going to just blow up and that movie's probably going to be left behind. So, um, and now leading to our last story, um, which I like to end to end the show with more conversational pieces, more, more general film stuff instead of like, you know, comic book and stuff like that. This last story is something that made me very happy. Um, <laughs> uh, IMAX, the CEO of IMAX is talking about get, get, getting away from 3d um, and going just for straight up IMAX uh, showings. I've had conversations with people recently about how I just, I mean, I can't stand 3d in general, but when you, when you continuously only give me the option of 3d IMAX, uh, it, it makes me, I don't go see IMAX movies because I don't like 3d, but now they're saying we're going to start going away from 3d and just present these movies in just IMAX. And, it, and I'm going to go now you're going to get my money. Because when movies like Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol came out, they just showed it in IMAX, went out and saw it, loved it. Um, and, you know, The Dark Knight, uh, anything Christopher Nolan comes out with nowadays, like Dunkirk, straight up, just straight IMAX. It's beautiful, big sound, big picture. Um, and now, and, and, and thank God, you know, they're saying that the reason is they're doing this is because there's obviously a lack of interest in 3D. People are not going to see the movies. Thank you, people. Thank you for using your not using your money, you know, and letting the people know that we don't want something. Thank you. Do that with Transformers. Um, but, Dan, what do you think of this? Well, the thing is, I I have seen – I'm going to use uh, Man of Steel as an example here, all right? I saw Man of Steel in IMAX, and I saw Man of Steel in IMAX 3D. And I'll be honest with you, the 3D didn't do anything for me. I don't know why they did it. What was the point of seeing Superman, Man of Steel in 3D? When I saw it the first time in just an IMAX, just the visuals of how amazing and how just beautiful the film was, I was like, wow, this is great. Now, going back to Fantastic Beasts and Winter Fonda. I saw that one time. I saw an IMAX 3D, and I was completely blown away by it. But that being said, I've seen movies such as Dunkirk, uh, like you said, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, Everest, and just the IMAX without the 3D, and I love them. I fan, I thought they were fantastic. So I prefer not to have the 3D when I'm looking at the IMAX because I feel like the IMAX is is immersive as as itself. It's such a huge screen. You've got this giant screen in front of you, and it, you're seeing a movie and it has great sound and whatnot and they're really good with now with these dolby theaters and these these um, special sound systems that they put into these and we have one we have one here in orlando where i live called the point and they just renovated they took out a bunch of seats added a bunch of recliner seats to their uh their imax they have the largest imax in um uh, central florida and it's 
those that's where I went to see all these movies. Um, and I, I, lo I love seeing IMAX films. I don't necessarily need to see them in 3D. And so I won't go out of my way and pay to go see movies in 3D. But there is a chain here called Epic. They have what's called Epic XL. And that one of their selling points is they have giant screens. But they don't have all their screens in 3D. They have one of them in 3D. The rest of them are just big Super XL screens. I prefer that. I, I love seeing a movie with a larger screen. I don't necessarily have to see it in uh, 3D. So I, I'm with you as far as that. I mean, I think if it's costing theaters money, if it's costing studios money to transition these movies into these different forms, don't do it. Put the money towards the script. Put the money towards the actors. Put the money towards the director. And, and, and hopefully this 3D doesn't cause like theaters to go out of business because we don't want stuff. I want to go see movies in the theaters. And if it's 3D is costing them money, get rid of the 3D. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it, not only 3D IMAX, but 3D in general, I just want gone. I just want it gone. It just it does nothing for me, like you said. It, it just, I mean, we've had the way movies have always been for a long time now. You know, a uh, hundred years of you know just seeing 2D movies the way they are, um, and and it's it's to me the only way that's necessary to see the movie. I don't need things popping out at me whenever I see a movie literally go out of their way to shoot a scene where something pops out at some somebody. I I, I roll my eyes every time. I can't stand it. Um, it when when you start and and this is part of my um, reason I'm not a big fan of James Cameron is because. He's very much about 3D. He loves it, um, and he's trying to figure out a way to do it without glasses, um, which will be interesting. But um, that sounds like that's going to be very expensive for theaters, so I don't know if that will ever happen. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, it, this made me happy. I had to put this in here uh, that, you know, IMAX by itself might be coming back So as a regular thing. So. Well, the Epic XL, the, this theater chain, I think I'd love to see all the theater change go to having one or two screens of this kind of IMAX size screen, a more of a, immersive, and then have a better sound system. I think that's more enjoyable to me. Seeing Dunkirk with when you had, you felt like there was bullets coming by your ears and planes, you know, dive bombing and stuff like that, and. The sound was so immersive when I saw it in the IMAX, and I didn't need to see it in 3D. So I would love to see more movies like that, you know, uh, where it's more immersive, the sound, like you feel like you're in the movie rather than things are popping out at you, even though I did enjoy Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. You know, I thought that I thought they the 3D really worked well in that film. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I look at 3D as, as a theme park thing. It's nothing wrong with it. I just don't want it in my theaters with my good movies that I'm trying to watch. I don't need them with that. But if it's for some fun little gimmicky side thing that's at a theme park, sure, go for it. Just get it out of my theaters. <laughs> I would just want to. I just want to see movies on the screen and not have my eyes have to have glasses and then it hurt my eyes and make me like tired and strain my eyes more than it needs to. It's it's. Re I never understood bringing 3D into the theaters, but. Kids like it. That's why. And it was making the money because kids liked it. It's a fad. I mean, 
everything in movies, you know, going back always to the beginning of movies, it's all fad, and it just happened to come back, and then hopefully now we'll we'll start seeing it fade away again. We'll get and we'll get some new new um, fads that that make the movies better for us and enjoyable for the people watching at home or uh, in the theater, not at home. Yeah, I would say that the, one of the big things I'm seeing uh, with Regal theaters around me is they're, is they're figuring out a way to, like you said, they're putting in new seats, recliner seats, uh, making you more comfortable, and also putting up way, like kind of barriers between each aisle to keep from like, if people get on their, people get on their cell phones, you don't see somebody ahead of you on their cell phone, like, they're trying to do things to make the, the the environment better. So I applaud some theater chains for trying to figure out what the, what people want and how to make it better for them. I'll tell you what will make it better is if you if you make the prices cheaper. That'll make it better for me, and I'll see more movies. But well, that's the thing. That's, well, that's the thing. 3D costs more money when you go see a movie in 3D. It costs more. So if you're if you're saving the consumer money by not having to pay for 3D, that's a that's more tickets and more movies that can go to. Well, the thing is, is three. I mean, it's optional. Theaters can can choose not to get a movie in a format if they if they want to. It's because they think that that's what's the what the consumer wants. They don't have to have it. Because um, I've worked with the I've worked in a theater and I've I've heard the conversations and they have to make deals with the companies to keep movies for so long and and it, it's 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 very political. But like a, a theater can choose not to have a movie if they don't want to. Um, and you know, they, I, you know, theaters are kind of like they're held up to whatever Hollywood puts out, and um, you know, it's and and there's also the fact of the the rising of of uh, you know the thing like the popcorn seed, popcorn seed gets more expensive, you know, stuff like that. The concessions where they make their money, um, it's not ticket ticket sales. It's the it's the concession that where they make their money. So they have to keep rising raising that up, and and it's just yeah, it's. It's it's a sad time for the theaters. I hope I hope it never goes away. But things like Netflix and and crappy movies um, are hurting my theaters. Well, that's and you know I want to use another example too. Pixar. Remember when with sometimes we get some of these Pixar films that they would be. But now the Pixar films are so realistic. You don't even need 3D. Like Cars, whether you like Cars three or don't like Cars. That movie was so immersive in and of itself because you felt like you were riding around in a car that was riding in real life. So the, the, let's use the technology of filmmaking and better it and give people a better film. Then you don't need things that try to make the film more immersive like, like a 3D or use things that are going to affect your senses like sound you know, and, and whatnot. Sound, I think, is a more of an immersive uh, form of filmmaking. Make me hear something. Make me feel it when I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm, you know, there's bullets coming, but there's a flame that's going to hit me. Or I'm in a car that's realistic looking, or, or something like that. And that's, animation's really gotten really good with, they've become a lot better as far as that, where you don't need 3D for animated movies either. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a whole other discussion of you know we just need more quality films, and uh, that's just something that I don't know we're ever going to get back. Uh, you know, it's for for Hollywood right now. It's about pumping out as much as we can and try to make as much money as we can. So, you know, nothing we can do about that. But that's going to be it for this show, guys. Um, a lot of fun topics. 
Um, you can find me here on Film Club Central, uh, on Facebook. We do a lot of different things. Dan, where can you be found? You can find me at Dan Skip Allen on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, or at From the Fourth Row. Also, on the Best Damn Movie Show channel, I do a show called The Top Five Weekly. Um, my panelist and I just did Charlize Theron based on uh, her movie Atomic Blonde. And Stephen and Andrew and Mark and Billy and myself have been doing episodes in this series called The 52 Must See Movies and Why They Matter. And there's a couple of good ones coming out in the next couple of weeks with Andrew and Stephen. Um, but if you like classic movies, you want to see uh, these guys or myself break these films down and why they are such essential films, you should definitely watch that. Uh, those those episodes are all on the Best Damn Movie Show channel. And I do a podcast with my co-host, my co-host Vincent Lasbada, called the Best Damn Movie Show podcast. I haven't done an episode in a couple of weeks, but hopefully we'll get back to it this week. All right. Well, thanks, Dan, and we will see you guys on the next episode next Sunday, guys. Thank you.